Yeah, it's so good. It's so bad that it's good. That is the wrong answer, actually. <laughs> it's just a wild romp. I am feeling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah! All of them! What are you talking yourself into? I'm trying to talk myself into that. This is what this podcast is for. We're also trying to talk you into it. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends tries to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode, it's the Young Pope. My name's Dan, and I just had breakfast with Santa Claus. Wow! My name is Jeff, and I wrote one issue of a TMNT fan comic called The Ninja Turtle. Three pages of full art exist, then nothing happened. (laughs) My name is Jimmy, and in sixth grade, my friends and I talked on the phone every day after school and played Neopets. Did you actually talk on the phone or Talked like on Skype? The phone. Yeah, no, on the phone. Oh. This was pre-Skype, man. I'm not that young. Because I remember when you lived upstairs from me, you were like an internet oh, yeah. boy. No, that's when uh, my friend and I uvu'd every day. Uvu. What's yeah. uvu? Oh, that was pre-Skype. What's Skype? Jimmy was on the cutting edge <laughs> of video communication. That's pretty good. Dan, you you had breakfast with Santa Claus? I did. How yeah. did that happen? I took, did you go to the North Pole? No. Santa Claus visited my church, and me wow. and my mom took my niece, and we had pancakes. That's pretty cool, man. And I was going to sit on his lap, but instead I just stood behind him. <laughs> did Jeff, you ask what you wanted? Um, No. I was more oh. focused on my seven-year-old niece. Oh, what did she want? What did she want for time, Christmas? Though. Well, I thought I knew what she wanted. Then out of nowhere, with terror in her eyes, as she faced the, the you know, the face of Santa Claus, she said, scooter. <laughs> with, she already has a scooter. Scooters are dope, man. But then she also said slime, which I know she wants. So. Slime, is, slime is also very cool. Yeah. Jeff, when did you write this Ninja Turtles comic? It was when we were doing our last podcast. Oh, you were an adult. Yeah. <laughs> we, simu- we simultaneously had a, a podcast called the TMNT Podcast which I co-hosted with a fellow James Why Not, and he was also an artist, so we talked about it, and I wrote a script, and he dug it, and we started. he started to draw it. Oh, I do remember We were going to do like a Kickstarter thing, <laughs> but then we decided not to. So there's like three full pages of completed art that's really good. Because didn't I talk to you about another mini-series idea I had? Which I don't want to say on the I podcast. I think so because you were like, you were like "Oh, if if yours is successful, we can do mine." And I was like, "All right, mine was uh, takes place in the future, and Leonardo is the last Ninja Turtle still alive, and there Ooh. there is a threat that he must face in Philadelphia. So he's traveling from New York to it's Philadelphia. A giant mutated mutated cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not. It was it was dark. It starts out with Karai dead, and he's standing over her tombstone." And if you know who Karai is, you are a nerd. nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Turtle power, bro. Well, Dan. (laughs) Yeah. Do we have any reviews this week? I'm very excited to say that we got a review. We did? And it's a review that I've actually secretly been waiting for for some time. Really? So before I get to the review, a little backup. I don't know if you guys listening at home listen to a lot of podcasts, if we're your only podcast, if there's a few... But I listen to a lot of podcasts. And to me, you're not a successful podcast until you get a conservative snowflake tell you that you're too political. Oh, no. Us too political. (laughs) So this week, we got a one-star review from username IQ greater than Marillion. I guess he's really smart. He wants us all to know it. (laughs) He says, not for me. Well, just started listening, and you guys immediately got political, and I just don't care to hear, so no thanks. That's It's so great that you called him a conservative snowflake, because that's what he is. He's not just a guy that's like, you know what, politics aren't my thing, let me find another podcast. He was so offended by something that we said, which we don't get political on here. Like, Once in a while. If the topic comes up in like something we're talking about, we'll give our opinions, and you know, our opinions, you may not like them or not, but there are certain things that are true, like... You know, you know, Trump's a piece of shit and like people who follow him are also pieces of shit. So he was so upset that he had to go and leave a one star review. Like I, I love podcasts and I barely ever review, which you should five stars, please. (laughs) But I do review podcasts that I like. If if I really like them, I have gone and made a comment, followed them on Twitter, whatever, you know, you small interaction. But I've listened to a lot of podcasts that 
you start to listen you're like not for me just gonna go on to the next one i don't really dig it i've never sought them out and done it one star i don't like that you're political just yeah, don't listen but like i said every good podcast that i listen to gets these reviews that, it's so true yeah. i'm cool with it <laughs> i think it's funny because if if they don't like us it means that i'm doing my job because i don't want you to listen yeah. to us you don't deserve to be with us with our talk me into family yeah, and if you really want to get revenge against us don't even just leave a one-star review join our patreon at five dollars <laughs> a month and you can write heinous stuff on there to us and you we can. will read it all That's it's true. like a direct line to us and if you listen to the show we would tell you to not leave a one-star review so i mean come yeah, on leave man. a five-star review and trash us yeah this guy, this guy, he didn't just do it like, uh, I don't like it one star. He's like, I'm going to make them hate me one star. You talk <laughs> bad about my my boyfriend, Donald. What if I told you that we got another review? <gasps> we did. That was. Does it make up for the one star? Oh, yeah. Does it average out to five stars? <laughs> no, it averages out to three stars. Yeah. I don't know math. IQ yeah. is greater than Marillion. <laughs> So my my father, five star Brian. What up, five star? He, he was so enamored enamored with hearing himself <laughs> on the podcast for our Bruce Springsteen episode that he emailed us some sort of a weird computer program from the late nineteen nineties. <laughs> I don't know how it worked, but I opened this file and boomer.exe. Yeah, there was just little tiny pictures of stars, which if you count them up, there are six of them. And his review says, great show, Bruce boys. I agree with all you said. Great guests, too. Jimmy, our newest BB. Thumbs up. <laughs> and I, he said to me, did you get my review? And he was like all excited. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, did you notice how many stars there were? <laughs> and I was like, no. And then I counted them and there were six. Uh, and he's like, I had to use a special program to send six stars. <laughs> so wait a minute. He started out as Brian. Then he was four-star Brian. Then he was five-star Brian. Is he promoted to six-star? Six-star Brian. He He's like a six-star six general. <laughs> he is officially six-star Brian. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Step up your game, Nobody Sean. Nobody else could be a six-star dad. Yeah, so those were some fun reviews we got this week. If you guys want to hear your reviews read on the air, just, just leave us a review. Five stars preferably on Apple Podcasts. Send us an email, talk me into at gmail.com, and we'll read them in. The show. We'll read them in. Right now. Right here. Right this moment. Right here. Now. Right now. Three, two, one, right go. Right now. Right now. This is the part of Talk Me Into where if you survived our political rant, <laughs> you will be listening to. And we we like to talk about things that we're talking ourselves into not necessarily i'm not talking dan into this i'm not talking jimmy into this i'm not talking anybody else just a little thing are you talking your wife into it no screw her oh. I, don't, I don't need any of you <laughs> on my own me and by the time this episode comes out we'll be about a, one or two episodes into the new season of doctor who mm. and i'm talking myself into trying to get pumped for it <laughs> because i'm not i'm yeah. i'm like uh the the trail there's a couple trailers that dropped and it's just Mediocre. it's uninspiring. Yeah. It's it looks very boring and it's a lot of it's just this chibnal thing. Like I thought maybe the last season was underwhelming. There's a couple good ones in there. Yeah. But overall there was like nothing really that pulled me in. You know, with Doctor and, Who, like obviously, yeah, there are amazing episodes of Doctor Who. There are some phenomenal, some of the best. There's also some hardcore doo doo. Yeah. Yeah, but they're all I mean an okay episode of Doctor Who is still very good television. Yeah, but usually, like, when there was a new season of Doctor Who, especially after a year, the last episode amazing. aired yeah. January 1st, 2019. This next episode is January 1st, 2020. Like, we've gone a year and a half Full without year, an episode. Yeah. We've gone a long time without seasons. They've just done years with a couple specials in between. And whenever a new trailer drops, you get... I mm -hmm. get so excited and the trailer is just like this epic thing. And even if it turns out to be a dud, like a lot of the Moffat stuff didn't really pay off in the end. Yeah. But those trailers hook you. And this one is just like, there's nothing exciting. Yeah. What I if, agree. What if I told you oh. that I've known this season was coming for a while? You're not caught up. In anticipation, I've been doing something secretly so that we could enjoy Doctor Who together. And I've been rewatching and I'm ready to go. How you've watched you've watched all of Doctor Who and you haven't mentioned it? What if I told you that? I wouldn't believe you. Are you telling me that now? I'm not telling you that <laughs> because I didn't believe you because it's not true. 
Yeah, I wish I was, but if I'm you not. Did, I mean, you've had we recorded that episode a year, uh, eleven months ago, almost a year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you could have, and we could have had a yeah. series twelve. The only problem episode. is we started this podcast so I could rewatch Doctor Who, and then we buried each other in things to rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. It I is. like didn't. I literally like one of the reasons why I was able to cut the cable was because of this podcast. Because I'm like, I don't have time to watch TV. Yeah, I have to watch all this crap for this podcast. I don't know. With with season eleven, there was some good stuff. Um, Resolution was a, I thought it was a really good episode. So I had a lot of hope for this new season. And I'm and you like Jodie Whittaker, right? I, you she's just didn't great. like the story. She's a great doctor. I like Jodie Whittaker. Yeah. I love the companions. There's there's these things that I really like about the new season, but as a whole, it just felt it didn't feel it's flat. Yeah, it was flat. It was unexciting. There was no real threat. It was. I don't know. I, I like the it's new very composer of the week. Yeah, I like the new composer, but it's not Murray Gold, so it's this new vibe we're trying to get used to as well. Yeah, and it was just a little, eh, you know. But I'm still gonna watch it. I'm still a huge Doctor Who fan. Yeah, I have to figure out how I'm gonna watch it because I don't have cable anymore. Uh, what I did was I got Sling for like the month. Oh, that's so, not. Bad and we're getting idea. one less episode this year because. Oh really? Yeah the the holiday special, which is now New Year's Day, is part of the ten episodes. Oh lame. So yeah, we went from twelve. We went from thirteen episodes a season to ten, uh, which is doo doo butter. Uh, Dan, I'm next. Yeah, what are you talking yourself into this week, buddy? I'm talking myself into well. It's something that's been going on for a while. You know, I've had these continuing journeys throughout these talking myself yeah. into segments. Um, I'm talking myself into building a pull list. Oh, my God. Which You're getting rid of if, your comics. Yeah, I'm getting rid of my comics. And <laughs> let me rephrase that. I don't mean like there's some like terminology that overlaps in the world of comic book collecting. I don't mean like a list that I'm steadily getting new issues each month. What I'm referring to is a list that you carry with you now that we have digital cell phones. I've, yeah. I've kept it on there so that if I happen to go to a comic book store, if I'm in a new area and I'm like, oh, I'll stop by a comic shop. There's little specific issues that I need to pick we up that are that. Missing, missing from yeah. my life. We just did that in Worcester. We went to this big store. Well, that's entertainment. Yeah. And that's kind of where this started is uh, through the process of weeding out my comic collection, selling a bunch and deciding what I want to keep. Well, now I'm looking at this stuff that I want to keep, and because I've been a disorganized mess, I'm, like, missing issue number six of an eight-issue yep, series and stuff. So I've got a few of them. So I started to go through and, like, put together this list, and um, I went to my local comic shop, and I was able to pick up a few of them. So now it's just this process of, like, continually organizing and keeping this list up, and now, like, I think I'm going to be going to New York City in, like, January with, like, some family so I'm like, I got to have that list like ready to go so that I can stop by like Midtown Comics. Dude, or I, I have lists for stuff too. Like I have a, a video rental list. I have an hmm. Animorphs list. Yeah, you got it. Because how are you going to like remember? Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I used to keep a vinyl list of like certain albums that I keep an eye out for. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's sort of an ongoing process, this whole comic fiasco. I was supposed to have someone come and take a look at my remaining collection who who had talked about buying it in bulk, but he never showed up last night. So... It is what it is, but uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird dichotomy that I'm selling comics and buying comics at the same time, <laughs> but it's fun. I'm enjoying getting back into reading comics. Jimmy and I have been borrowing some things. Yeah, and, we've been exchanging. So it's cool. There is like a new comic series that I'm going to get, but no, I'm not buying anything steadily anymore. It's too too crazy. I feel that. Jimmy, what are you talking yourself into? So I was talking myself into last week, visiting a friend. Yeah. I went to North Carolina. Oh, wow. Visited my friend after 10 years of knowing each other. And um, so, wait, was it a friend you met online or a they friend? Moved there? So, we went to the same school together in okay. middle school. And uh, after they moved, I added her on Facebook. I didn't know she, I didn't know she moved. So, I added her on Facebook because I like just made a Facebook. And uh, I added her. I was like, hey, how's it going? And she was like, oh, good. And um, I asked her where she was and she said, North Carolina. And it's been 10 years and we've been best friends and uh, I've never went down to visit her. So I did it. So you That's knew her cool. in person, but you really built Vaguely. your friendship yeah, yeah. online. Yeah. Yeah. So it was mainly an online friendship. Um, but yeah, she's like my best friend. So it, it was super cool to like hang out with her for a while. Um, her and her boyfriend let me stay there in her uh, apartment. She has a, a cat and a dog and we just hung out, watched some TV. We watched that Paul Rudd show on Netflix. How was it? It was pretty good. Yeah, I heard mixed things. Yeah, it was it was decent. Oh, the clone one, living with myself. Yeah, we also watched um, 
the uh, the newest season of BoJack Horseman, which I've, I've seen before, but we're doing an episode of Talk Me Into on, so... I love Jimmy because... <laughs> I went to North Carolina. Here's what we did. We watched TV. Yeah. yeah. He watches TV for a living. He watches TV for a hobby. He watches TV for a podcast. And now he watches TV on vacation. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Oh, did you go see any, like, things around? Like, you know, you, Confederate statues or barbecue? <laughs> nope. Oh, we did. We went to a barbecue place. We went to a place called The Pit, which was very good. Mm, and uh, we, we went to a bar, uh, a barcade called uh, Boxcar, which was really cool, too. Barbicade? You had uh, talked about possibly seeing some movies while you're down there. Did you go to the movies? Oh, yes. We saw Knives Out, too. Knives Out. What would you think of it? It was good. I, I liked, liked it. it. I liked it, too. Yeah. Have Jeff? you seen that? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's good. You'd Great. like it. Okay. Yeah, but it was a fun trip. I, I was super excited to go see her. She's the one who got me into City in Color. Oh, yeah. You yeah. showed me a Snapchat of that on her wall. Yeah, yeah. She's a huge fan. And I was like, woman. And she's that friend that I uvu'd with. That oh. I said in the beginning, yeah. It all oh, comes whole, around. This yeah. whole episode. Yeah. So shout, shout out, shout out to Steph. Man. She's not going to listen to this. What about Steph? You flew down there, right? Yep, I flew down there. When's the last time you flew? Uh, High school, probably, right? No, I went to Florida this summer, uh, in April. Oh, look Were your you. arms sore? Guff. Sorry, Jim. Okay, fellas. <laughs> This week, I'm talking you guys into an HBO series. Technically, it was filmed for Sky Atlantic, I believe. Which it's is British? Like, yeah. Um, it's called The Young Pope. Okay. I'm not watching it. <laughs> I only <laughs> like old popes or young people who aren't popes. Um, it's pre- a lot of them. That's it premiered <laughs> January. Um, it was actually done in conjunction with Sky Atlantic, HBO, and Canal Plus, which I think is like an Italian thing. Conjunction? Junction? What's yeah, your what's function? your function? Canal is Canadian. Um, that could be wrong. Whatever, dude. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's non-American, right? Yeah. America first, baby. Um, Trump 2024, third term. Let's go. <laughs> so it, it premiered in uh, January 2016 i believe on hbo it's kind of weird because it premiered it had like three different premiere dates um it received two nominations from the emmys in july 2017 it stars jude law and diane keaton those are the big actors that are in it Mm. and uh jude law plays this young charismatic um bishop who after the death of a pope he rises up to the papacy spoiler alert happens in the first What's episode his pope name um i don't know if i want to reveal that okay. because it actually becomes a, a plot point oh okay oh. i wouldn't say a spoiler but um do you think that when popes pick their names it's like they put more thought into it than when like mumble rappers do <laughs> no there's actually a lot behind it like they talk about it in the show you can choose your papal name to reflect um who you view yourself similar to so in other words like you would pick a pope from the past that you want to be compared to. Yeah, but to. at one point there weren't that many. I mean, now there's over a thousand, but like Francis is the first one, you know? So did he name himself after Assisi? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know, Jeff. I'm not into Catholicism. But not only is he a young pope, he's Talk the first American pope, which is interesting because Jude oh. Law is not an American actor. Okay. But he mm. plays an American. I mean, it was a big deal when there was a South American pope. Yeah. And um, he was the former Archbishop of New York. And his character's name is Lenny Bellardo, which is great. That's just that's just great. <laughs> that is pretty fun. Good, great stuff. Um, and Diane Keaton plays Sister Mary, who is an American nun who ran an orphanage that um, Jude Law's character, Lenny Bellardo, grew up in. So she's sort of a maternal figure to him, and she's sort of along as an advisor. Um, and basically, like, I just sort of want to wet your whistles with this. Uh I'm I'm going easy on you guys oh, this week. Thank God. I always get worried when you're like when you pick a TV show. It's hard. It is sort of a mood piece. It's ten episodes, and it's it doesn't have a huge plot. There is a little bit of like a murder mystery that mystery that develops in the second half, um, but I didn't didn't want to get you too deep into that because then we're talking about like you know like five six seven episodes in, um, and the episodes range in like length of time between like twenty six to forty six minutes. Um, uh, I'm sorry, to 46. 46 to 60 minutes. So I didn't want to give <laughs> me too much. A different. So I'm asking you guys to watch the first two episodes. Oh, oh. God. That's this exactly is a what Christmas I said. gift. <laughs> but this is what I'm going to say. If you enjoy it, please watch another one or two 
because I think you'll get even more sucked in, but I don't want to bog you down. I don't okay. want to say you have to watch four episodes. No, it makes um, sense. I think with two episodes, you're going to get the tone of the series and uh, you'll start to see where it's going. Definitely, like, you'll see the shape of who this new guy is and why it's so dramatic that he's going to, like, overturn the current, you know way the catholic church runs you guys have any exposure to this series i nope. know of it i didn't know it existed no never even oh really it. i've seen a preview for it years ago when it first aired yeah and the reason why i wanted to do this episode this week is because as it airs the new season it's kind of confusing it's technically like a new series because yeah. it's the young pope is a mini series the sequel is the next pope and it 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 brings back jude law um, it also what, what brings time in John period Malkovich. does the young pope take place in? current day okay uh, modern times and it it's i want to say see i'm not super up on like the catholic church and stuff but it, <laughs> well i don't it's know a weird sentence to say out loud. <laughs> but i also you know what i'm saying i'm not catholic i don't follow the current events uh, yeah. obviously it, it takes place in a world that is either very similar to what we're really dealing with or is true so they're dealing with the legacy of child abuse and scandal and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That definitely comes into play. Um, and it also, like, not to get too spoilery, but it deals with the rise of the reemergence and rise of fascism that we're seeing, obviously, in America, but also across Europe. Um, these neo-fascistic leaders that are gaining popularity. And, um, yeah, the other cool thing... Um, like a lot of the prestige shows that we're into lately is that this show was created written by and directed all by one guy this this guy paolo sorrentino oh that's kind of cool i didn't know that yeah he's an italian filmmaker who's um he's done some big movies and stuff but uh yeah he's he's like sort of at the creative reins of this project like i said it's it's a real mood piece there's a lot of great acting um the writing is really well done. There's some cool flashback directing work. So I think you guys will like it. I'm interested. Yeah, and I think um, if you do like it, it's a good time to get into it. Like I said, with the new Pope, John Malkovich is one of my favorite actors. And uh, that's starting up in January. So, uh, yeah, watch the first two episodes. Check it out. HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, all those places. It's going to be fun, guys. Got to say, not excited, but let's see. Not excited? It's I don't know. Good. It sounds... It's got good acting. The trailer looks really good, okay. I will say. Well, so. I'm currently not excited, but I'm <laughs> open-minded, so let's let's see if it works. Jeff. Let's go, boys. This Pope f***s. <laughs> Sorry, me. Home box office is television show. The Young Pope, yeah, is what we just watched. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. A few weeks, yeah. We watched the first couple episodes, which I have to thank you, Dan. That I think that was an appropriate amount of episodes to watch for this show. Yeah, for for this show, yeah, because it's an hour long episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, and just for the listener, um, besides watching two episodes of The Young Pope, I also got very sick, and I am still sick. So, right, so it's so fine nasally. Yeah, it's, we're not inconsistent. Life just gets. In the if way. anything, this is like some production like magic, like because now they know we're actually doing these breaks. We're actually going away and watching the thing. Yeah, yeah, and then they're going to hear you sick on the first half of the next two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so and then hopefully you'll be fine in the second half of those episodes. What I'm trying to say is, okay, fellas, <laughs> why? <laughs> what did you guys think of the first two episodes of The Young Pope? Let's get into oh, it. Oh, I thought you were asking us if we were talking yeah. into it. No. <laughs> we're done. I don't feel good, so <laughs> let's over. wrap this up. <laughs> so let, let's get into it. Episode one of The Young Pope. Yes. So um, the cool part about watching it on HBO Go or now or whatever the hell it's called is that they played a trailer for The I New Pope. I knew you were going to yeah. comment Thanks for that. <laughs> and I was like, cool, a show I know absolutely nothing about. I'm going into blind now I know. Yeah. Now, I know some things. Not much, but I, I know that he's still the Pope. Yeah, which, I, I watched which, like two, like, I don't know, like 20 seconds of it. And I was like, I'm just going to skip. Yeah, this. me too. But like when you start watching the show, there's still like this this uh, story about them trying to maybe get him out of the papacy and yeah. another guy. So any intrigue in that, like I know the outcome <laughs> of, well, of this season. 
Not necessarily, because there is something else in the trailer that I found to be very spoilery, and you clearly haven't picked up on it, so... Well, that he's clearly sick or out of it or something, oh. and there's, like, uh... Okay. Kind of like when the president goes to the hospital, the VP is the acting president, even though he's not the real president. John Malkovich is calling himself the Pope. He's... I'm assuming he's the acting Pope. You have to watch and see. Oh, maybe I will, or maybe uh, I won't! <laughs> so this starts off um, pretty much like every prestige television show where it kind of just gives you like a WTF moment. Yeah, there's a pile of weird naked CGI babies or as Catholics call it, heaven. <laughs> Thank you. I wrote, not, I wrote that down. Of course you did. That was very scripted. Thank you. And then um, those we, babies were weird because there was one like with his eyes wide open. Yeah. I'm like, why does this one have his eyes open? And there I thought, was a baby climbing. I thought that was going to be the baby. That was going to be like the Pope as a baby. Yeah. But then they just zoomed past him. I was like, why did they make this baby more realistic than the other babies? That was you. It was all me all along. The pile of naked babies was really the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Nice. Uh, okay, Jimmy. So <laughs> beneath so, this pile of naked CGI blinking babies. Yeah, we see the uh, the actual Pope climbing through the mountain of babies. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember where it goes from there. It but... went to a flashback of some nice titties. Oh, yes, that's right. And then it because it's HBO. Yeah. So we have to see some sort of nudity. Like, okay, so so far, first 30 seconds, pile of naked babies, check. Lovely breasts in the golden hour of... <laughs> Outside. Jeff has talked into it. Well, we yes. should say that the pile of naked babies is in St. Peter's Basilica, which is the famous square outside of the Vatican. Right. Yes. And the Pope like crawls out from there and like ascends to his popedom. Right. And I thought maybe that was like a metaphor for him being an orphan and just unwanted children. Oh. Maybe. Oh. oh, maybe. Could be getting at something there, Jeffy. Hmm. Metaphors, am I right? And then... At like six minutes in, there's a lot of glitz and glamour, but not a lot of substance, which isn't a bad thing to me. I really like it, that whole intro sequence where he's walking he's just through walking, and that yeah. music is playing. I really like the music. It's in very this. dreamy. Yeah. It's a big mood yeah, piece. Yeah, th throughout the, sh the show, I like what they did. <coughs> just get it out, Dan. Just get it all out. You're just going to have to keep talking. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, but I want people to hear what I have to say. So, no, I, I like what they did with the soundtrack. Um, it's really immersive and... and different than yeah, it's, shows it's I, more like electronic expect. yeah but there's also like a lot of I, they they play for comedic effect too which mm. is interesting in a show as like well made as this um yeah so jimmy then uh after uh, the the six minute walk i believe the that we get to the nightmare right well we don't know that well yeah we don't we, know that we it's just a think that it's his first homily yeah so we we see the pope um He's uh, coming presenting. to the window, and he's going to address the public in St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, right. sure. And, and it's like, it's raining, it's cloudy, there's a lot of umbrellas up. As soon as he steps up to the altar, the window, whatever they call it, yeah. um, he looks up in the clouds part. Yeah. It reminded me of a story when I was in elementary school. Uh, we were outside at recess, and it was a cloudy day like that, but you could see the clouds were moving, and the sun was about to show. And I tricked a girl who was in uh let's just say a, a different class at a different level oh boy and <laughs> i tricked her into thinking i can control the weather and she <laughs> believed it for a long time because i waved my hands and the clouds moved you truly were the young pope <laughs> i was so what i'm saying is that i'm jude law yeah with an american accent yeah That's you look true. just like him thank you i've been working out so he's giving a speech um, it, it, it seems pretty standard in the beginning where he's just like saying yes. like you have to love each other and stuff like that. And then he basically says you also have to masturbate and you have to uh, basically like do all have abortion. Yeah, yeah, he goes off script and he says what every Catholic fears. Uh, yeah, just everything progressive like, hey, these little things. They're not important. Don't do that. You don't. You don't have to yeah, listen he's like, to these. The truest rules. expression of love is freedom and self freedom and stuff. So, and then you they cut to the cardinals who are just looking distraught and and just, like running everywhere. Panic is setting in. Yeah. It's like the end of the world. And the cardinal says, "I'm supposed to be the pope," and then he wakes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like a 13 minute fake out. Yeah, basically. And at first, I was really upset because I was like, "That was cool." I know. Like, I was thinking the same if thing. If a too. pope did that. I might be in religion. <laughs> it was interesting, though. And I think it sort of sets this template. Like, I remember watching this the first time. And, and you guys can tell me what you were thinking. But I, w 
I was spending a lot of this first episode, maybe even this first couple episodes, trying to figure him out, like what yes. his motivations are, yes. what exactly. he really wants, what his beliefs are. Well, I think it's pretty apparent by the end of this episode that, well, maybe by the end by of the, the end second of episode, episode two, you really that know. when he actually delivers his homily, I don't know if you want to just skip around or if we want to go in we order. We can a little bit. I mean, we only have two episodes. It's kind of like a long movie at well, this point. In retro, so at first I was like, oh, I'm kind of upset that that wasn't what he really believes because like that would be cool like i thought this was going to be oh this guy's turning the church on its head yeah the show kind of forward and doing all of these good things that will make people stop hating each other and then you find out especially by his his actual first homily that he's the complete opposite he's incredibly regressive yeah so i was like oh this is like a dream sequence and then at the end of episode two there was like a behind the scenes it was only like two minutes long and the director described it as a nightmare and i was like it makes sense now yeah because he's actually he's a super old-fashioned conservative in a young pope's body well and and this is what i wanted to get into i was going to get into it a little bit later but if we're going to talk about the homily now I think these first two episodes do a really good job of um, like a bait and switch. Yes. So we see Mm -hmm. as like a young American person Mm -hmm. that I'm imagining most of our audience is. um, We're we're seeing this through the eyes of the young Pope. We think he's the audience surrogate and he's dropped into this world of like immense bureaucracy. There's all these moving parts and groups that are vying for control and stuff like that. So you see like um, the Cardinal... Uh, Secretary of State, the guy with the big mole on his cheek. Yeah. yeah. So he is sort of presented to me as the new viewer as like a villain. Like yes. he wants control. He wants the Pope to do what he wants him to do and stuff like that. And then the rug gets pulled out from under you in the second episode because we find out that maybe there's a reason that this bureaucracy is in place because this guy who we think is going in there to stir things up and make the Catholic Church better is actually like extremely regressive and controlling and conservative and he's he's using his power to like set everything way back so it's interesting they kind of turn this on its head this idea of like the young new guy who's going to make things better mm-hmm. is clearly not the case correct yeah this feels to me especially by the end of episode two a lot like uh house of cards where you you sort of see like other than you don't really see his motivations, like in the very beginning of House of Cards, sorry, this is just talking about House of Cards now, but um, you, you kind of see the motivations of Frank Underwood from the very beginning. Like, obviously, he's going to be making his way up to yeah, he, president. Yeah, he just wants the power. Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's his drive. <laughs> yeah. And, but but what's, what's Lenny or Pius XIII's drive? Exactly. We don't really know. Yeah. And it's interesting that they skip... Um, I forget what they call it, but the the elect- conclave. Yeah, they skip the conclave. But they they allude me- to it. They mention it and they show you how he got elected, and it is super political. It is like being a whip in mm-hmm. the Senate, like Frank yeah. Underwood started out as. You know, he was the guy. I forgot um the uh, the older guy's name. Um, Spencer. Spencer. Yeah. Yeah, Spencer, who was just trying to get Lenny into, uh. He wanted him to become the Pope because he thought it was going to be different. So mm-hmm. that's that's actually a lot like House of Cards, where Frank Underwood yeah. tries to whip the house into shape to vote for a certain person to elevate, just so he can elevate himself to VP and then president. Well, Spencer also thought that he was destined to be the first American Pope. Right. Um, and we see a little bit more of their relationship in episode two, which is pretty messed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, I also wanted to bring up Diane Keaton because I think I she's awesome I forgot that was Diane show. Keaton until the second episode. Yeah. So we are, we're introduced to Sister Mary. Yeah. Who's brought in um, as sort of uh, Lenny's confidant. We find out that she raised him in the, like or- an, in the orphanage. Like an adoptive mother. Yeah. Um, but again, the series does an interesting job of twisting our expectations so she's brought in as his right-hand woman, his confident, his teammate, but pretty clearly into the, I would say, the meat of the first episode, if not the beginning of the second episode, we start to see dissension that Lenny's not comfortable with giving her, you know, an equal share. Of- That's towards the end of the second episode. Is it? Okay. Yeah, so it's setting up more because at first they really are equals and you see that he elevates her higher than anybody else because it's his mother. It's who he respects most Yeah. until he finds out that she has been referring to the papacy as we and he doesn't want to share that power yeah, yeah he's he makes her start calling her your holiness i believe right. calling him your holiness him yep. your holiness yeah and um just different things like sh- sort of keeping her in her place and th- and the way that he finds this out is 
he uh, cleverly uh, goes to the priest who hears the confessions of most of the Vatican staff, like cardinals right. and priests and stuff. And he basically says, like, it's your duty to, like, tell me the sins of everyone. But you even have with that guy, he was hesitant to give up the secrets because that was the only thing that, you know, brought him honor. But then when you have somebody with that much power as the Pope pressuring you and, you know, saying you will tell me this. But then he he still doesn't until he's offered a position. So he's mm-hmm. he's still even this guy who you think is like, oh, he's a good priest. He's still crooked and corrupted by power. Yeah. Which a lot of people in the Vatican, if not all of them are. It's it's a hierarchy. Yeah. That scene was interesting because you're still on the point where. You're thinking that this is like a you like a new like liberal guy like trying to shake up the Catholic Church, but really it's supposed to be it's the like opposite. yeah, it's, it's complete 100% opposite. The opposite. Well, and that's when you start to first feel the inclinations of maybe this guy is not good because you're trying to reconcile like okay, maybe he's getting you know he's taking these secrets, but for a good purpose. Maybe the end goal is is good. That's what I was originally thinking. And then it starts. To me, this series has a lot to do. I mean, we talked about in the first half how it was produced in conjunction between um, HBO, a Canadian network, and an Italian network. Mm-hmm. And um, the writer, creator, director is Italian. And to me, this series has a lot to do with the recent reemergence or rise of fascism mm. across Europe and America. And it shows this young, charismatic, but clearly like fascist leader coming to power oh there's a lot of mirrors to the american presidency now yeah in this and he's he's more incompetent as a pope than trump is as a president in my opinion as as far as the first two episodes we yeah so let's get into a little bit of what he's actually doing because his priorities are very interesting he has a meeting with the secretary of state cardinal which is kind of weird because it mirrors our secretary of state title yeah Yeah. it's it's more of um a government than it is a religious organization yeah so he has this meeting and um the secretary of state lays out like some initial goals of what what should be accomplished it sort of reminded me of the president's first hundred days Mm -hmm. and he's like um you know you want to uh, you want to address the Cardinals. You want to give your first homily because the Cardinals can't leave until those two things happen. Then you want to meet um, the heads of the local churches and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of rolling out this um, sort of formal PR campaign of introducing this new pope to the world, which seems pretty standard. But Pius XIII isn't going to do any of those things. <laughs> and he sort of talks about the need to... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's almost like, um, uh, what do you call um, when when you pull like a, someone into a police officer, like questioning them? Interrogation. Yeah. He, he goes through this almost interrogation process of like the Vatican staff about their motivations, their history and their sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing he gets into is his desire to be unseen and mysterious. What did you guys think of that? Uh, it's narcissism. Um, where, cause a, a lot of, um, when the, the PR lady comes in and she's trying to like get his opinion on merchandising, I mean, uh, Dan and I wrote a song in one of our punk bands called emptum Corpus Christi, which means to sell the body of Christ. And that came out when passion of the Christ was a big thing. And they mm. were just monetizing hugely on, um, religion, Christ but yeah, I mean, uh, Catholicism, especially they they have a lot of idols and a lot of what people like they, they see the Pope as God, almost as if, uh, people would follow the Dalai Lama, how they think the Dalai Lama mm-hmm. has been one person this whole time. And we see sister Mary sort of deifying, uh, Lenny. Yes. Pius 13 throughout a few of these moments. I mean, throughout Catholicism, you have people praying to saints and all that. So you're, you know, you're supposed to like pray directly to a God, not have these idols. So there's a lot of that in there. And instead of him saying, yes, I want this merchandising with my face on it, which would be, you know, a narcissistic thing to do, like the president putting his name on everything. Instead, he wants to go the opposite and be mysterious because he wants people to it's almost like he wants people to want him more. You know right. what I mean? Like lim- limiting the supply so people desire it. More. I got that towards the end of episode two, as right. opposed to like watching it then. I was like, oh, he wants people to like obviously worship God. Worship instead of God. Him. Instead That's of how him. he plays it's it off. It's an interesting bait and switch. It's how he yeah. plays it off, but it's not what he wants. Yeah, he's, exactly. he's a narcissist and he yeah. he likes that. Well, he gives you a peek into that mindset when he starts talking about 
the contemporary artists of the day and how right. they don't have images of themselves like yeah, jd true. salinger and stuff like I that. i did like that whole speech too it was cool but um so initially when he's like i don't want my face on a plate you're like good for you buddy we you know we yeah, shouldn't I, need I agree a, with a pope's that. face on a plate yeah screw your pope plate guy <laughs> but then when he starts to talk about the art of mystery and leaving people wanting more and he like engages the pr person and she's all for it at this point yeah then i was like mm. so we're starting to see some stuff but i do like um another thing i want to talk about is there's there is some comedy there's some levity in this series yeah not a lot not a ton I mean, I thought there was some funny moments, uh, especially like uh, there was a reoccurring gag with the button under his desk that yeah. you, you can push to have yeah. meetings come to an end. That was good. I actually LOL'd like, okay, this is a serious subject, but as we were talking about, he go- does these sort of inquisitions and he calls in the cardinal who's responsible for teaching all the other yes, heads very of churches. very important part of the Yeah, and he basically like show. has a very short interview with him like, oh, did you vote for me in the conclave? And the guy's like, no, yeah, because I don't know much about you, but you seem like you're conservative, but that won't prevent me from doing my job and serving you and all this stuff. He's like, okay, I have one other question for you. Are you homosexual? And the guy's like visibly like rocked. Like obviously this is something that doesn't get discussed in right. the Vatican. He takes off his glasses and he wipes his face and stuff. And he's like, uh, yes, I am. And then immediately Pius Thirteen hits the button. Which he was hesitant to even have. Right. But now he's going to use that as his way out because obviously he doesn't even need to hear anything more. No explanations. Right. No justifications. He's just done with this guy. And that's like a super tense moment. And then the nun walks in and she's like, your holiness, it's time for your snack. She's like yeah, the worst that, lie ever. I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. The, and the look on his face. The funniest part I thought was when he was <clears throat> navigating the like, you know, millennia old hallways underneath the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And he opens a door and there's like a tour yep. going through and this little kid goes, and he like slams the door shut because <laughs> yeah, it it's good. funny because he doesn't know like where he is he's just like walking around his new home for the next 40 or 50 years yeah there's also a funny moment when um see again they're they're playing with expectations and like we sort of have this idea of like how cool it is to like shake up the system and uproot these old figures of like control so when we see one of the cardinals go to his office and the door is locked and he's like, oh, someone like something's wrong with this door. I keep telling them to fix this door and all this stuff. And then the handyman comes up and immediately like takes down his nameplate and replaces it. You're like, for a second, you're like, oh, cool. He's like stirring it up. He's draining the swamp. <laughs> and then uh, then we're followed with that scene of him interviewing what we just talked about, the gay guy who turns out to mm-hmm. be gay. So Yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I was unclear about like that whole like conversation between the two. Mm. Um, I was interested because I thought... Um, after when he's talking with his um, old mentor where he was uh, explaining to him that um, he was gay or whatever and he wants him out and um, he wanted him to take his position. I was like, oh, maybe like he just wanted him to uh, wanted to get him out. Maybe he had like an inkling. He was like, oh, they obviously will just want to get rid of him because he's gay. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe he just wants him to have his position. And he's like, no, I don't want that position. Yeah. I wanted to be Pope and stuff. But the funny part is to not I, not funny. I don't know why I said that. Um, the thing about that is that I don't think the Pope cares that he's gay. He just knows that it would work in his favor. Agreed. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, we can't we can't have a priest that's gay. People wouldn't want this. So now we can. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't well, like he was being malicious against the gay yeah. guy. He just used it to get what he, he was upon yeah so i'm not going to give any spoilers but i will say that your read on this is interesting and if you were to continue watching this there's more to come so this okay. is just the i tip mean of based, the based on everything i've seen i could see him being very homophobic especially he's a pope um <coughs> but well there again, also comes there also sort of becomes this issue of what does he truly believe? Because I don't know. Are these conservative they, ideals his real beliefs or are they means to power? Like, in other words, I think a lot of people both. theorize that Trump doesn't necessarily believe all these super conservative ideas, but he knows that it gets him connection with his base. I, right. I mean, I've said that, too, but I try not to because you do have to have a certain level of bigotry in you to even do any of that so i do you know trump is a bigot but what i'm saying to what level what extent in this series they do address that going forward okay i figured um 
There's also one other weird moment that, you know, we're jumping around like crazy yeah, here, but we're not really going to I like order. it. Yeah. Um what do you guys think about his examination of all the gifts he's been receiving? Another narcissistic idea. Super narcissistic. Take all the gifts I've been sent and put them in a warehouse so I can peruse them. Yeah, that was early on, and I was kind of, like, curious about that. I the didn't really think about that. The thing was weird. Yeah, that's what like, I was getting to. Even if you do that symbolically, it would be, like, an event or... You, they want to just put a kangaroo in a crate, <laughs> throw a blanket over it, and then just wait for the Pope to show up. And then he just lets it loose in the middle of Italy. Well, see, I, I wonder. Well, the letting it loose was weird because he's weird. But um, the way it wound up there, I, I think more along the lines of there was probably like a standard operating procedure for gifts that come into the Vatican. I'm sure. It's, and, a, it's a government. And that was probably all upended by his decree of like throw it in a warehouse. So yeah. I'm sure there was like proper you know methods to handling that stuff that all just got uprooted and they just like literally just like changed the way they handle everything it's same thing with the letters i'm sure there's an entire like department of people who answer letters well the letter thing too it comes into play when he actually does his first homily because at the end of the homily and again we're jumping around like crazy but you think that he has a speech written but then at the end you see it's just a letter that this kid wrote him that he was looking at. So his first homily was off the cuff. He either memorized yeah. it or was just ranting. Well, we know he memorized at least parts of it because right. we see him practicing the first line in the mirror. But it, even that is an interesting twist because the letter was, I'm, I don't, I can't quote it verbatim, but it was something along the line of, um, dear Pope, how do I believe in God? Right. And um, so that's like sort of a sweet sentiment from a little kid. And you yeah. think that his answer is going to be like, you know, love like he says to one of the cardinals, tell him to think of everything that he loves in the world, and that's God. And that's kind of like a sweet idea. But then he sort of uses that letter to motivate him to this like dark speech, which is the homily, where his entire point is, um, we have forgotten God, and it's not my job to prove the existence of God. God exists. It's your job, if you don't believe in God, to try to disprove it. Right. And so that's kind of like a... A weird slap in the face to that letter. This little kid is questioning, as children do. And he's like, how do I believe in God? How do yeah. I know if God is real? And he's like, it's not my job to convince you God is real. God is real. And he just like launches into how we're separate from God. And God wants our, God demands our full attention. Right. And it's just super conservative. And he, I mean, now we're at the point of the homily. So as Jeff said, it kind of plays out as an eerie. Um, well, it's at 9 p.m. at night, right. which doesn't happen. Yeah. He's lit from behind. So it's just this dark shadow thing. And um, it's it's just doom and gloom. It's like puritanical. And and like I said, with these, there's a lot of mirrors to the American presidency now. I mean, we talk about the inauguration speech, which is the first speech that a, yeah. a president makes. His, that was doom and gloom, carnage in the streets. It was yeah. depressing, strange, um, just filled with hate and not unifying. It didn't do anything. And that's exactly what this homily was. It As was George just, W. Bush said that was some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so man. it also serves as a juxtaposition, like a complete opposite mirror with to the dream the nightmare. Yeah. yeah so this, you know, <clears throat> as soon as the speech ends in the nightmare, um, well, the night in the nightmare, the the clouds go away. They in the clouds real, open up, and the sun comes in out. The when real, he speaks. In the real homily, at the end, it starts pouring on the crowd. Yeah. So it was. I I don't know if you pick these two episodes because of that, but those were pretty good bookends. Like if this was yeah. a movie and that's how it ended, I would have been like, okay, yeah, that. Yeah. So I makes did a lot of sense. I I didn't remember a lot of details of these two episodes. But I knew that I wanted to include the homily because I remember that's when he sort of lays it on the line. Oh, yeah. Before for sure. that, it's pretty murky. Yeah. So I think we're at the point where maybe we could talk about overall thoughts okay. before I propose a question. Jimmy, I want to go to you. <laughs> yeah, sure. What are your overall thoughts? And and let me get into this. Since we only watched two episodes, besides what you've seen so far, do you have any overall like sort of predictions or what you would want to see if you continued watching things like that going forward um predictions uh i could probably see this kind of going like a breaking badish kind of route where he just kind of gets worse and worse Mm. what i would like to see is that maybe this is a whole big ruse and he's like really is just trying to like put the catholic church up on its head but Mm. i'm not sure i i don't know um overall thoughts is i was sort of hoping for like what we were saying earlier that we are (laughs) um 
like I was saying earlier, I was kind of hoping to see that they were trying to put the Catholic Church up on its head, trying to be like an ultra liberal kind of guy, just being like, yeah, masturbation is cool. Like, I don't know. Um, so it, it was definitely very interesting because I went into the first episode super excited. I was like, oh, this is like really cool. I, I like this character. Um, it, it's, hmm. it's kind of funny because um, because I was thinking that I was. It was interesting to see a character that was in, like, obviously this, like, huge religious state um, sort of bringing, like, modernism into it. Yeah, like, for breakfast, he wanted Cherry Coke Zero. Yeah, exactly. Like, just putting, like, those humanistic elements into, like, an ultra-religious setting. Something I really like. Obviously, I wrote a whole movie about that. I like the modernization of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say humanizing (laughs) because the parts where he's he is humanized in the first episode. (laughs) He is humanized, but he's an asshole. Like the Cherry Coke Zero thing, you find out. Oh, he's a jerk to people who are actually very nice and have. Yeah, we see that speech that he gives with the cook, where he like she like grabs his cheek and says like, "Oh, what do you want for lunch? I'll make you whatever you want." And he's like friendship is dangerous i'm looking for professional relationships only and stuff yeah. and i thought that you think it's funny that you like the character because i don't he's not in well and in you're, the first you're, episode you're not supposed to, you're obviously not supposed to like the character yeah but it's not like a likable anti-hero like tony soprano or walter white because yeah. like or even don draper like you're rooting for those guys even though you know they're bad and like you shouldn't and that's kind of the thrill of it you're yeah. root, it's, it's naughty you're not supposed to be for <laughs> these bad guys but this guy there's there's nothing good about him or there's nothing entertaining about how bad he is uh i'm gonna sort of push back on that a little bit i think there's glimmers like the stuff with the kangaroo is enough that it's interesting it's enough that he's not just a pure villain like like i don't know there's something about that interaction where he like soothes the animal and then when sister mary tries to like sanctify him like oh it was a miracle what you did he's like no 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 it's nothing it was just coincidence so I I agree with you that he's not as enjoyable and likable as some of those other classic antiheroes, mm-hmm. but he's also not one dimensionally bad. It's, it's not a bad character, but he the character is more grating than he is intriguing. Okay, I, I would agree with that after episode two. Okay, so Jeff, yes, uh, what are your overall thoughts on what we've seen and and sort of like as Jimmy did? Can you sort of make some predictions or or what you'd like? To I have no predictions because of the bait and switches that they keep throwing out there. Mm. Like with with Molly guy, um, he's either like a dad or like a father figure or he has some kind of family like the child who's sick. Yeah, and like a mother, the sister Mary's kind of following him around, and you see a prostitute walk into the same building as him, so she thinks she's going to see some bad stuff, but really he's just going. He's to consoling. Like, this yeah, and, disabled and you see person. like oh he's like he's actually a really good guy and like you said at first like the pope thinks he's trying to take his job and he's always at like arms with him and i don't so i don't really have any predictions because it really could go anywhere i don't know what would you like to see i'd like to see in the next episode this pope dies but, <laughs> but like, and then like there's another pope and it's just like a boring generic <laughs> political show i don't know i don't know what i would like to see okay what do you think um, so far uh, the show makes me upset more than it entertains me. And I think it's just because of my personal beliefs about Catholicism and how it's just like it's the greatest case of institutional child abuse and sexual assaults. And it's just like, this, oh, there's more coming about that. I'm sure there is. But I it I just I I hate the i hate catholicism and i I I think it's i think it's a terrible institution for for that that alone makes me absolutely hate it but even as a religious thing like i said like there's a hierarchy and um i know dan goes to church i did when i was a kid and i got out of it because i didn't like that hierarchy it's full of just fake people and bullshit and politics and like if you want to have some churches yes i'm not saying all this is not a blanket statement but like if you want to have a relationship with a higher being have that relationship. Don't pray to people in between. And, and these people who claim that they love this Bible so much, like you're not supposed to pray to saints. You're not supposed to pray to the Virgin Mary. You're not supposed to do this stuff. And they, it's like this weird government, but they're covering it up as a religion to make people fall. I just have well, a lot of opinions on the Catholic Church. So I want to coming in, from uh, interject one idea, because I, I agree with you a lot on, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing. But don't you think that 
the show is holding a light up to these sort of dark practices Not yet. and stuff. Well, and and no, I don't. I mean, they're showing you all the bureaucracy and how fake it all is. Yeah. Can you take a level of schadenfreude of enjoying their like... It does make me a hypocrite because while I had this thought and I'm watching this and I'm just like, oh, I hate this. Like, there's so many people in the world hurting because of this institution. But then I... I love like mafia stuff. And I'm like, that's terrible. Like even like Whitey Bulger, like I saw a documentary on some on him and like some guy got killed by him and his family 20 years later is still grieving. And I'm like, why do I like the departed so much? Yeah. Like why, why do, why does anybody like the, this villainous, terrible things based in r- real life? So I am a hypocrite in saying that. I understand that. Like we're getting joy on this fictionalized real life thing that brings like terrible pain to people like even war movies western movies all this terrible stuff like you're you're contradicting yourself i am because not not because of the the parallel that you're drawing with mafia movies but because they're not showing the catholic church in a positive light they're showing that it's a corrupt institutional government that you know has all these arbitrary rules that are ridiculous yeah by the end of episode two you're trying to root for the show is trying to root for them who the Catholic the Church. Catholic yeah. Church. By the end of episode two, you're rooting for the Catholic Church to stand up against this guy trying to go against them and go against them in a different way than I want. Because the, the first the first homily, the nightmare homily, like if there was a pope that did that, I would be for it. Like people are praising Pope Francis for being this like great liberal. What? Because he says that don't hate gay people like one yeah. time and all of a sudden, oh, wow, you're this great liberal. No, your church is still covering up all this shit. Yeah, I just disagree that they want you to root for the church. I think they're holding a light up to the fallibility of the Catholic Church that look how ridiculous it is that one billion people are relying on the whims of one man and how crazy this system is. Yeah, no, I, I do see that. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the show. I really don't. Okay. Because I, I also don't, like I said, the character I don't like even in like a I'm not supposed to like him way. Like yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parallels to other things. I'll bring in Doctor Who just because it's something that I'm a huge fan of. No, because when the twelfth Doctor took over Peter Capaldi, mm-hmm. there was a season where his the character was like kind of angry at people and mm-hmm. he was but it was part of the story and peter capaldi played it great but fandom was like i don't like peter capaldi he's grumpy no yeah. like that's the character you're not supposed to like him when he's doing that yeah i get what so, you're saying so but, you're saying that secretly you love jude law yes he <laughs> was fantastic like in captain this. marvel yeah <laughs> no i get what you're saying i mean i guess if i can make one final push for you guys um mm-hmm. i would say that <clears throat> We're really at the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot to come. Right. I didn't want to overwhelm you guys, but on the downside... How you, many episodes is this? I believe season? there's 10. Okay, so there is a lot, a lot of... There's eight more hours of story. <clears throat> and um, we're, we're going to get whole new subplots that are I'm barely sure. introduced. Yeah, there's 10 episodes. <clears throat> you can start to see them focusing and pulling out details of minor characters, like um, the priest Gutierrez that he has a conversation with. Who seems like a legitimately like a legitimate believer? This is the Hispanic priest that's balding yeah. that talks about his conversion and stuff yep. like that. And you start to see. Um, did you notice during the homily the woman in the crowd, the blonde, who seems like yeah. she's really like worshipful? There, and there stuff. was a story with her like yeah. having sex with uh, I don't know a her husband guard. That's her husband, and oh, she's okay. talking about how sex is just for procreation and stuff. Yeah. So um, these two become big parts. Also, like. The red-headed cardinal who was raised sort of as his brother. Yeah, at the they don't same, get into him a lot. That, so I, I figured coming. he'd be coming. So, into so what it I'm more. getting at is like we're just really at the tip of the iceberg. Um, I will say that um, there's some more levity coming. I think they do a better job with making um, Pius the Thirteenth sort of like more of a a more uh, enjoyable antihero. He's still bad and he has these horrible ideas. But he starts to have a little bit more fun in his post, which is a little bit more enjoyable to watch. So, uh, yeah, I think that you're going to get depth and levity coming soon if you stick with it. And great acting, great writing. We've got, you know, season there two is. We didn't up. really talk about that, but the acting in it is great. Mm-hmm. The direction is great. It's a very, very well-made show. I love that it's dreamy in its nature. It's got a cool soundtrack. It, it almost floats. Yeah. It's really it's really strange to think of a show as floating. And that's how it was marketed, it too. There's these weird commercials really? that they ran before it where there was no sound. It was just images of Jude Law in the full 
like papal get up i remember floating that. through the halls of the vatican hmm. yeah and like these steady cam shots and stuff so so yeah i guess at this point i'm going to ask jeff and jimmy did i talk you into the young pope yes no. oh boy another oh, split boy. decision yeah yep. I, I kind of figured that it would go this way um i'm not saying i'll never watch it again but it's not something that i'm like i want to continue watching this it is a well-made show but for those those things i don't like about it that i just mentioned i'm just i i don't like the character and just mm-hmm. i have personal problems with the institution of I hear you. I thought you. I thought that could be an issue, but I thought you might take a level of Schadenfreude, like enjoying their defeat. I try to, but I still, I'm still not on the same page as you about the defeat. Um, and it's not like I want to watch a show where it's like people burning down Vatican City. Like I'm not for that. I just there's a lot of real life things that make me not enjoy this. So you're not ready to get caught up in time for the new pope i am i am not okay <laughs> but like i said it's it's made really well you didn't hate it no i i didn't hate it but i just i the problems i have with it i'm not jonesing to watch eight hours more of this yeah jimmy yeah so i'm i kind of figured that i'll at least finish this um I, i'm not sure if i'm gonna be on board for the new pope um oh come on you got to catch malkovich and see what he's up to yeah i don't know um <laughs> i, I kind of figured that obviously you said that this was supposed to be just this one mini series so i'm hoping that it's sort of self-contained mm-hmm. um oh that's true so he probably like dies at the end and it cuts to black or we think he dies <laughs> not knows? gonna say oh. interesting well i'll never know <laughs> um so I, <laughs> i'm interested google it jeff i am interested because Although I did see this going a different way when I first started watching it, because obviously we get hit with that nightmare sequence at the very beginning. Um, so I was sort of hoping that the show was going to go in that direction. But I, although I, I also personally do have problems with the Catholic Church, I believe I can watch this and just about the politics of it and yeah. sort of watch this sort of like House of Cards. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll be interesting. Um, I'm not like joning to watch it, but... I do want to motivate myself to watch it because I always say I'm going to watch stuff and I never finish it. And I don't really have anything else going on this weekend. So maybe I'll just crank it all out. Yeah. I mean, Jeff did say it's eight more hours, but in the long run, it's only eight more hours. If you get yeah. to the end and you really don't like it or you didn't love it, then you're done. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to love the show, um, but you talked me into at least finishing this. I'm going to catch back up on it, too, because I do want to check out the new Pope. I enjoyed season one here. All right, guys. But in the meantime, Jeff, or should I throw it to Jimmy? I think you should. I think Jimmy is talking Jeff and I into something. Next week, it's my birthday, guys. Happy birthday. You did it. Congratulations. You were born. The episode is airing on my birthday, so it's going to be an episode all about me. Jimmy is turning 36 years old. But how weird. (laughs) It's close to me. How weird is it that we all celebrate people's birthday when it's the only thing guaranteed every human has ever done was be born? (laughs) That's true. Jeff's working his stand up act out. (laughs) What's 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 the the deal deal with with birthdays? (laughs) So, guys. Yeah. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. What are we going to okay. celebrate with? We're going to have a party, guys. Ooh, I like partying. My name's Jeff, and I like to party. <laughs> my name's and Dan, and I also like to party. <laughs> no, I'm Ron. I only party. So we're going to have a party and play a game called the Jackbox Party Pack, Ooh, which is a video game that you can get on basically any system. They have it on smart TVs, but it's a compilation of games that we're going to play, and it's going to be fun. We're doing our first video game, guys. It's finally happening. Very interesting. I'm scared. Yeah, so... As um, a boomer, I have never played a video game. <laughs> we're going to play uh, a couple games from the first two Jackbox Party Pack games. We're going to get more into like what those games are next week. But um, yeah, if you guys want to participate, you can download it, get a bunch of friends together, and, and have a fun time. Jack off together. <laughs> Is that what yeah. it's called when you play the game? Scene. <laughs> In the meantime, <laughs> Dan, where can people find the show online? Ah, uh, you can hit up our old-fashioned website at talkmeinto.com. We're on Twitter under the name uh, TalkMeInto. We have a Facebook page. You can email us if you feel so inclined at talkmeinto at gmail.com. 
Leave your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and all those other things. Five star, please. Yeah, five stars only. And also, add us on Patreon because we got a new episode that just came out a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah. Mini-sode about Billie Eilish covers. Yeah. Patreon.com slash TalkMan. That's right. Yeah. Jimmy. Where can they find you personally? They can find me at Son of a Fitch, S O N N A V A F I T C H, on Twitter and Instagram. Jeff, where can people find you on? People can find me on Grinder at Jacking Off Jeff. <laughs> no, they can't because that's not <laughs> what we're doing. Uh, Twitter at J E F F F F F 27. That's Jeff with five Fs, the number 27. Dan, where can people find you online? You can add me on Twitter and I will be talking about. A24 releases and ranting angrily about Star Wars under the name Danny underscore break. Angrily? Usually. Hmm. I take it way too seriously. You're pretty positive about Star Wars, though. I'm usually more Depends angry on the about day. It. Sometimes oh. I'm railing against Star Wars trolls. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. It's true. Yeah, I get that. All right. Yeah. Well, great. This has been a great day, guys. Huzzah. Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into. What will we talk you into next? Jimmy's birthday. I had to start a new file. Yeah, yeah. he started a new file. Shut up. He didn't go on. <laughs> he just started the file now, Jeff. Don't you dare direct Jimmy. <laughs> He's the producer. And I'm the cheerleader. Getting you motivated. Motivated? Motivated. Hello, Moto. Oh, God. I haven't heard that in a long time. Your dad just liked the picture that's on my Instagram story of me with Sonic. Hey, my did story. that movie come out? No, not yet. Oh, I thought you were going to see it. No, we went to go see Uncut Gems last night. And how was it? It was good. Dan really liked it. I hmm. liked it a lot. But I have a it feeling that like... it's going to be overhyped. It's probably good, but... It is. It's a little overrated. Very cool. My nose hurts. Who wants to bring us back? I was about to, then Jimmy said my nose hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you can bring us back. <clears throat> my nose hurts, too, just for the record. I am never getting this again. Duncan is vile. Well, they had a really I good... I might have some cough drops in there if you need them. I'm not sure. Oh, I have them in my room, too. I forgot. They had a really good toasted gingerbread latte, but they didn't have it anymore. So nah, I'm going to give you Dan's rule of flavored coffee. Ready? Sure. Flavored coffee is good. <laughs> as long Good as... rule. No, no. You hear me out. Flavored coffee is good as long as you don't layer more than one flavor. Yeah. I'd agree. The end. <laughs>